right. This is another Renew Church Leaders podcast. I'm Jason. Hey, guys. This is Dave. And I'm Courtney. Yeah, Courtney's back in the Renew studio with us for another session. Welcome Welcome back. Yeah. We got cookies. We're feeling good. We're feeling good. Yeah, it's a good day. That's right. Got a little sugar in us. Well, not me. I'm fasting from sugar right now, but oh, I'm not better than you. You're modest about it, too. Yeah. Actually, when you fast, aren't you not supposed to make faces you, on the street corner? Yeah, you just announced it to yeah. thousands of people on podcasts. I'm ashamed. All right. So we are here and we are doing highlights uh, together of 2018. Specifically, we've been rolling through some of the speakers that came to us here in Nashville for our renewed gathering back in October. And today we're going to be listening to Brandon Redler. We just reviewed Brandon's um, talk together. And I got to tell you, that young man has such an inspiring story. He really does. It's really incredible. Be prepared to be blown away by this testimony. I've literally mm-hmm. never heard one like it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm the same way. And speaking of blown away, like Brandon blew away my my preconceptions about transgender people um, and explained to me uh, what that's like. He gave me a window into that world. I, I, I don't think I even have ever really explored my feelings or my thoughts. Sometimes it's easier, especially with this topic, to not yeah, do that. You go, exactly. oh, that's weird and foreign to me and so i'm just not even going to think about that and not talk about it you know i think that's definitely where i was i think uh you know we we talk about homosexuality and that's something that i think people at least probably have a handle on how they feel about it Mm -hmm. but this transgender topic is something that i think a lot of people don't encounter and so they don't know even how they feel about it yeah and for him to give us a, a really a personalized, I mean, I met him at the gathering. I spent some time with him uh, and uh, to personalize it, to meet somebody and have them give you a window into their world and how um, somebody that loves God can say, yeah, I love God, but I'm a broken human. And for as long as I can remember, this is how I felt. And I know that that's not what God created me to be. Yeah. It's powerful. Powerful because it was vulnerable. Yeah. yeah. I mean, when I say... I've never heard anything like this. What I mean is somebody give us such a detailed look into what it feels like to grow up identifying as the opposite gender and then also to face that fork in the road. Am I going to follow what I think I want or am I going to follow the pathway that my creator has set in front of me? You know, to hear somebody's story going down, because we hear so many stories in our culture of people choosing to identify as the other gender. And celebrated stories. That's just the world we live in. This is a minority to celebrate somebody following after God other than what they wanted and felt. Yep. And it's just, it you know, it floors me. And that's something that you and I, Dave, I know when, when we talk about some of the videos you create for us, we, we talk a lot about, um, you know, the idea of self-inspired theology, which is so prevalent today. And the idea that we follow our feelings, and that's how we determine what's right. We don't go looking for any moral yardstick outside of ourselves. And so maybe as we start to listen to Brandon here, um, something good that I I think there's a really great undercurrent. He 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 teases this out. Um, So guys, listen for this as we as we listen to it again. But he talks about how because of our feelings, some people actually stay away from the Bible because it will force them to examine their lifestyle. But he goes on to talk about how feelings are ultimately deceitful. 
and uh, the Bible exposes that as well. And so, anyways, this is Brandon Redler on his story. Good afternoon. Thank you so much for having me. My name is Brandon Redler. I'm from Strength and Weakness Ministries. We are an organization that really strives to bridge the gap between the LGBTQ and Christian communities. And we do that through education, awareness, and support. It is my honor to be here with you today as the transgender ministry leader of Strength and Weakness Ministries. And I'd like to share a little bit about my story, about how I came to be leading this ministry alongside Guy Hammond, our founder. And this is me when I was little. I know I was adorable. You can react appropriately. (laughs) Now, from as long as I can remember, though I I was born a healthy baby boy with a wonderful family, wonderful parents, for as long as I can remember, I wanted to be a girl. I felt at odds with the fact that I was born a boy. I never felt comfortable that way. And so as I grew older and became more cognizant of that, I came to realize that you know what, I just don't fit in with the other guys. I really don't have, feel any uh, connection to them, don't, not interested in the things they're interested in, and just feel generally uncomfortable. And as I grew up as a teen, that became more and more of a prevalent feeling in my life as a little thing called puberty came along and I started to realize, wow, I'm growing up to be a man, whether I like it or not, and there doesn't seem to be anything I can possibly do about that. And that, I became increasingly uncomfortable with my body and how I was supposed to fit into society as a boy and then becoming a man. And I started to feel, well, you know, if that's what's in store for me, if I really am going to have to be a man, if that is my only option, I honestly would rather die. That was how extreme I felt this way. And I, I started to, to do some research. I started to see that, wow, okay, there are, there are other people who feel the same way I do. And they identify as transgender. They feel a disconnect between the gender they identify with internally and the sex that they were born in. And I felt that so strongly, I felt like, well, I have to do something about this. And I saw that there were others that had, they had transitioned to live in the sex that more closely aligns with their gender. They didn't have to feel trapped in the sex they were born into according to how they look physically. And I thought, yes, that is exactly what I want to do because honestly, I would rather die. So why not? What else could there possibly be? And so I made the decision when I was 16 that I was going to embark on this journey, that I was going to live as a woman in every possible way. And so I started taking hormones, estrogen. I started calling myself Desiree, a female name. I started dressing full-time as a woman. This with me is 17. Let's go and break the ice and say hi. Hey, girl! (laughs) And at this time in my life, I moved away from my home state of South Carolina and went down to Florida, where I could start anew. I could be someone completely new that no one had ever met before. There wasn't any kind of past hanging over my head. Uh, The maleness, uh, Brandon, the name I was born with, was no longer on me. I could just be Desiree. I could just be me. And it felt great. It felt wonderful. I I started college at the University of Florida, Go Gators, and made many wonderful friends there, friends who respected me, who supported me in my choice. After my freshman year, I had sex reassignment surgery, commonly referred to as a sex change operation, so I could look like a woman from head to toe. And I felt 
for the first time, I could really be happy about who I was and how I saw myself in the mirror and how people treated me and how I was able to be in relationships with both men and women. I felt truly wonderful. And I had amazing relationships. I had an incredibly supportive family. I was doing well in school in my field of accounting. I had,、uh, did an internship as a woman at a CPA firm. I had a job lined up for after college. And something was missing still. Even though I had everything that I wanted, everything that I had sought to get and obtain, I had, I still felt an emptiness. And I knew that that emptiness was spiritual because I had friends who claimed to have faith, Christian or otherwise, and I literally envied them because they had something bigger than themselves. They had something to follow, a higher purpose. My purpose for living began and ended with following my desires, and I had done that to the furthest extent possible. To the point where I asked, what, what else is there? But even though I was still very happy living as a woman, that still was very fulfilling to me and made me feel go- very good about myself. But there was, it became real clear there was a greater need within me that I needed a relationship with God, however that was going to look like. I didn't grow up in a Christian household, you know, kind of, I'd grown up kind of believing agnostic, like maybe there's something out there, but it probably doesn't have much to do with how I'm supposed to live my life. I、uh, certainly didn't have you know, a, a huge, you know, burdening moral compass. I thought, well, don't kill anyone. That's probably pretty good.、Um, but definitely was very promiscuous. That definitely was you know, kind of a, self, a source of self esteem for me. If I could be desired sexually as a woman, then that was the ultimate validation for me. But I had to go after this. As soon as I realized that this void was in my life, I had to go after it. I had to try and fill that some way, somehow. And I thought, well, I've spent all this time ignoring the Bible. I'm finishing college and I really don't even know what the Bible says. I just know that I want to stay away from it because I thought, well, it's going to tell me I'm going to go to hell. The people who read it are going to tell me I'm going to go to hell. Why would I have any interest in that at all? But it's amazing where you're willing to look when you've run out of answers for yourself. And so I picked up the Bible one day. And decide, let's give this a shot. Let's see what's in here. What have I been avoiding all these years? And it spoke to me. The Bible spoke to me as the truth. The words of Jesus were so perfect in saying, this is the way to live. And not just for now, but for eternity. And this gives an eternal purpose, an eternal meaning to my life. And I thought, I want this. But then I thought, well, what does this mean about my life? What needs to change? And I thought, okay, well, I need to stop sleeping around. That's pretty clear.、Uh, I see homosexuality as a sin. That's kind of clear. So that means no more girls for me.、Uh, I'll have to be with just a guy. That's okay. If I get married, I'll have to submit to my husband. That'll suck, but I'll do it. And I thought, well, is that it? Because God was still tugging at my heart you know, about how I defined my gender as female and how I viewed it at the time as, okay, that's what He wants me to do. But there was a nagging doubt of, is that really what He wants for me? Did He really create me to live as a woman? Now, at that time, I started going to the Orlando Church of Christ because I thought, well, good Christians go to church, let's go to one. And I didn't tell anyone what was going on. I was just there to find my place in God's story. I was there to learn about this God, this 
Jesus that I'd already fallen in love with, that I just wanted to know more, what it really took to follow him. And I was so open and eager to learn, and everyone was so welcoming to me. And, you know, some people knew what was going on, but no one really felt the need to confront me about it. They just saw a person presenting themselves as a woman, whether they do it or not, who wanted to find God and was eager to do so. There were so many of the women there who really just wanted to show me friendship, to show me love, to share the word of God with me, of course, but to really include me in their circles, to you know, invite me to birthday parties, invite me to the beach, to want to make it clear that they wanted me in their life. You know, even if they did know what was going on, no one felt the need to say, hey, we got to call you out on this. Because they just saw someone who wanted to love God, and I was wide open for it. And eventually, I did realize, you know what? I need to start talking about this. And I started pouring my heart out to some of these women who had shown me that they were there for me no matter what. And I didn't know how exactly it was going to go, but I trusted God in this. And everyone was so incredibly wonderful in their response because it was incredibly loving, but also incredibly humble. No one pretended like they knew all the answers, like, like they had even remotely encountered this before. Everyone was just there to be there to say, you know what, let us walk with you through this and figure this out together. And really, God was already doing the work on my heart. That was why I started talking about this, because he had already shown me, you know, it probably really does make more sense for you to live as a man as I created you at birth. That really is what I have for you. And so it's with that incredible support from the church, that encouragement from them, and with the conviction that God was working in my heart through his word alone, that I made the decision to get baptized nine years ago as a man. Basically going overnight in my physical appearance from presenting myself as Desiree to going back and reintroducing myself in the church as Brandon. And you know what? No one loved me any less. No one treated me with any weirdness or awkwardness, not a, you know, man or woman. Everyone just embraced their new brother in Christ. And that was incredible. And now I have the chance to share this with others as part of strength and weakness because I had no one to talk to at that time who had walked in my shoes on the path I'd gone. And I thought, okay, God, you've made it clear. This is going to be my place in the kingdom because now I get to be that for others. And I get to help others to show that love to the Desiree Redler that's going to walk into your church if she hasn't already. Now, love, it's interesting how our culture defines it sometimes, especially when it comes to differences of belief. Sometimes we, we look at love and say, okay, well, unless you agree with me, you don't really love me. That is a commonly held thing in our culture to where we feel like we can't even disagree with someone without fear of being showing unloving. And so sometimes we respond by saying nothing. But we do have to love someone enough to be willing to show them the truth when it is appropriate. And so I'd just like to share some of the scriptures that really have helped me and really helped me stay convicted with this particular area in my life. Because certainly there's nowhere in the Bible where you can point and see the word transgender but certainly the Bible speaks to every situation and is useful in all things. So in Genesis 1.27, we see, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. The physical sexes of male and female were something God created very specifically, and those are a part of his creation that is perfect 
and deliberate. We see in Romans 1.20, for since the creation of the world's Uh, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are out of excuse. We have to respect God's creation of what he has made, and male and female is certainly a part of that. Now, for a transgender person, that's going to bring up conflict. It's going to say, well, okay, you made me physically one way, but I have this deep desire that perhaps has been there for as long as I can remember, as it is in my case that I certainly never chose to feel, that pulls me at odds with this sex that you gave me that is supposedly part of a perfect creation. How can that be? God, did you make a mistake with me? We look at Psalm 139. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. God does not make mistakes. God's creation is perfect in each and every one of us, no matter what we may go through, no matter what he allows us to go through. It does not mean that he has somehow forgotten about anyone or that the particular trials that they have are somehow an unmovable barrier to prevent them from being all that he wants them to be. That is simply not true. And so even though this has been a part of my life, a very painful part of my life, and still is a part of my life in terms of what my desires are and most likely will continue to be for the rest of my time on earth, it does not in any way stop me from living as a man as God wanted me to be. Now, we have to examine gender as well, because certainly sex and gender are different concepts. Sex is a a physical thing, often by genetic biological traits. Gender is more of a cultural, societal concept, and so we have to somehow reconcile the two. Now, God cares very much about gender, and we can see from many of these very familiar scriptures, many of them having to do with how husbands and wives relate to each other or roles of men and women in the church— Simply put, God cares enough about gender to have it mentioned over and over in his word in both testaments. And it would only make sense, given that he has very specific direction for men to live one way, women to live another, that that would be a specific instruction to each individual person whether they are to live in a man's role or a woman's role. And so what's the indicator for someone How do they know which one God is directing them to? Would it be according to their physical sex, male or female, that they were given, or would it be to how they identify internally, that being a very real thing that could perhaps have been there from as long as they can remember, for sake of argument, perhaps has a genetic or biological contributing factor? Who knows? For a transgender person, what is the correct choice? Now, physical sex is certainly very convincing, certainly would have been very apparent to early Christians. But then also, too, if only one gender role is going to be pleasing to my creator, for me specifically, if God would intend for that to be a woman in my particular case, I would really hope that God would explicitly mention in his scripture somewhere that that could even be a remote possibility, and we just don't see that anywhere. But then also, too, I have to say, well, that feeling is so deep within me, it's so inherent, so ingrained in my heart, how can that not be what I'm supposed to pursue? We see in Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful 
above all things and beyond cure, who can understand it? When we feel something so incredibly strong in our heart, even though it may feel so incredibly natural, make us feel so incredibly good about ourselves and may seem to hurt absolutely no one, that does not mean that that is what God wants us to follow. But the notion of follow your heart is so prevalent in our culture and becomes increasingly so that that is the answer we often arrive on. And so I can only conclude with any reasonability that God wants me to live as a man because that is how he made me physically, and that would be his answer for a transgender person. Now, certainly, these scriptures help us to get on the same page as Christians in how to look at this answer and how to be prepared to answer from a biblical perspective. But certainly, I would not recommend going on the street, finding the first transgender person you see, and laying all these out in ordered fashion. It's probably not going to go that well. Someone has to fall in love with Jesus first and have a reason to believe anything the Bible says to begin with. So when we think about reaching out, I have some more scriptures for you. In 1 Corinthians 5, 12, 13, what business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? God will judge those outside. If someone has not signed up for the same standard that we have signed ourselves up to be judged by, that being the Bible, if someone has not confessed Jesus as Lord and entered into his kingdom, how can we expect them to live a life that looks like a Christian's? We can't. People are going to come through church doors, and we hope that they will come through church doors in all manners, including me in a skirt and heels. And we have to be prepared to love them exactly where they are at and help them to fall in love with Jesus by showing them incredible love. And we've got to be so incredibly creative about that. In 1 Corinthians 9.22, it says, I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means, I might save some. Think about what that means. By all possible means, that means going above and beyond. That means being pushed outside of your comfort zone to be everything that someone needs to help them to see God's love for them specifically through you. Are you willing to go by all possible means to do that? to make someone feel loved, even when it feels awkward, even when it feels uncomfortable. Because really, everyone needs the same thing, ultimately, as a human being. They deserve to be treated with kindness, dignity, and respect, regardless of what they believe or how they decide to live their lives. I would hope that as a Christian, we can show this to others, that we can show others that we will love them unconditionally, regardless of what we may agree on or disagree on. So specifically, what am I saying? We can accept people. We can show people that they are respected, that we will treat them as we would want to be treated without showing approval for everything that they believe with. We don't have to be boxed in feeling like, okay, if I'm really nice to this person, if I just hang out with them and treat them like a friend, that means I agree with everything they do. Jesus didn't practice that. When Jesus sat down with the tax collectors and sinners, many people misunderstood. Many people thought that he was a sinner just like them. But Jesus was not afraid to be taken out of context, at least for a short while, because he would be prepared to answer and be prepared to explain, but he would go with love first, with building a bridge rather than a barrier. We have to seek to understand people that are different than us, especially groups like transgender people who have been so misunderstood by so many people for so long. That is how we will set ourselves apart in our love. And by showing compassion, to realize that 
people out there walk a very hard road that they may believe that it is impossible for them to become a Christian because of their particular background. We have to make them know that that is not true. And ultimately, love is the greatest, of course. If we can make someone feel loved, that is the greatest impact that we could possibly have on them to help them to find their place in God's story. I want to thank you so very much for listening, and to God be the glory. All right, so the greatest impact you can have on people is to help them find their place in God's story. That's awesome. Yeah, I really liked what he said, to God be the glory. Yeah. Yeah. I think the phrase that I walk away with listening to a story is when he says, build bridges, not barriers. I love that. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, that's powerful. So we we so often at Renew talk about the theology that, or Jesus's teachings that fuels disciple making. And uh, we also uh, celebrate and promote the idea that disciple making is about relationship. It's not something you get in a box kit, right? You don't you don't just watch a video on disciple making then you have it. You don't read a book about disciple making and then you have it. It's a culture shift and uh, when you're in the middle of disciple making, it's done through relationship. And he really brought that out when he was like, "By the way, if you just unpack these verses that I unpacked for you, that that is how I came to the conclusion that being transgender was not what God called me for." Um you're probably not going to win a hearing on the street. This is, you know, yeah. <laughs> you're probably not going to stand on the street corner and hand a transgender a track with this in it and win them over. Right? The yeah. track says why transgender is wrong. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, I love you. Read this. <laughs> but uh, it's through relationship, and that's I think that's the bridge that he's talking about. I, I love as he described the relationship of the church, and I got to say. You know, there's so many times that the the church gets a black eye that, you know, the the saying that there'd be more Christians if it weren't for all the Christians. Mm. Um, And yet here's a story, Brandon's story, that makes me really proud to be part of my church, um, that there was a group of women that um, he says, no one pretended that they had all the answers. Uh, All they wanted to show me was that they loved me, um, that I was accepted, whether they knew my situation or not. And they they cared for me enough to bring me in and disciple me through relationship. Yeah. That's really incredible because so often we think that you have to like know all the answers to disciple other people. Um, and you have to know everything about God and about Jesus. But I think his story shows, like Jason was saying, that, that it's just about relationships and it's about starting with love. And um, you don't have to know all the answers. And sometimes that, that makes it easier to relate to people. That's an empowering thought. Like I, I just heard somebody talk about this a couple of weeks ago. It was talking about disciple making, and so many times, yeah, Courtney. Like so many times, people think um, it's like I have to, I have to have it all together before I can go to make disciples. How am I, I going to teach somebody if I don't know what I believe? Exactly. Yeah. Like I'm having trouble even getting into scripture every morning. I can't go yeah. teach somebody else to do it. But I think it's like you don't have to have arrived to start uh, making disciples. You don't have to arrive to start loving on somebody and say, hey, I don't even get it right all the time. Do you want to get it wrong together as we pursue getting it right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. All you have to do is care, really. It comes down to genuinely caring about somebody. you know. And I just think it's so wise that these ladies invited him to a women's Bible study. 
you know? Yeah. There's so much debate in our world about what are we going to do? Like, which bathroom do they use? And there's, like, people freak out about that kind of stuff, you know? To see this group of women just say, come be in our women's Bible study with us. You know, I can just envision a lot of churches having a problem with that. Sure. Like, no, he was born a man, so he needs to study with men and blah, 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 blah. But just those women didn't have the answers right. Literally met him where he was at. Yeah. just started with love. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like that uh, he he made some real uh, bold statements that I think, um, I don't know, maybe everybody can use a dose of. I, I, to me, this stood out. He said, um, this is not about judging, it's about loving. And he said, you know, we can accept people without approving of their behavior. Yeah, I really like that. That's a big one yeah. for our culture, because that doesn't exist really in the world. It's like, if you, like, love means accepting everything that I believe and everything about me, you agree that that's okay and right. Like, that's what that means. Yeah. yeah. But that's, there's a C.S. Lewis book that talks about this. It might be um, mere Christianity, I don't know, where C.S. Lewis says, yes, God is love, but we need to look at our definition of what that means. Yes, God is good, but the actual definition of good is different than what our world thinks, you mm-hmm. know? That, that kind of hints at that a little bit, I think. Yeah, and um, I liked what he said about about Jesus sitting with the tax collectors, that some people would have looked at that and saw Jesus's, um like, approving of their behavior, um, but that Jesus, he wasn't. He was loving them, um, and he didn't have to approve, but he was ready with an answer. Yeah, it's like yeah. what he said was Jesus wasn't afraid to be taken out of context. Yeah. I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so w- the other piece that I think is really – I think relevant today, Brandon, Brandon kind of snaps himself out of this postmodern mindset. Like he could have easily, and even, you know, I think in the news, there's been Christian celebrities that have been put on the spot in, in, in a public forum and said, Hey, you're a Christian, but what do you think about homosexuality? You know? And like they're put on the spot and it's like, Oh no, this is going to kill my career. You know, and yeah, and so and so, I've heard them kind of come out really weak on a biblical stance. They've said something like, "Oh, I think everybody should just read the Bible and you know find out for themselves what they feel." You know, and it's like it's like the self inspired theology answer, basically. And yeah. what's interesting is Brandon, in the middle of his story, in the middle of feeling at odds with what the Bible would say, decided to say, "This isn't about how I feel. This is about a Creator." that is uh, a, you know, objective from my feelings. This is about a creator that, that created the order of the universe, and I need to come under that authority. So rather than saying, I'm going to read the Bible and interpret it the way that my feelings tell me to interpret it, he says, I'm going to step out from the authority of my feelings, and I'm going to step into the authority of my creator yeah. and, and, and make that my God, not my feelings. Yeah, that's like not just reading the Bible, but letting the Bible read you, you know? Yeah. It's like there's been so many times in this last year and a half to two years of me coming back to my faith where it's like I feel um, weird reading these things in the Bible because I'm like, I don't like that. I don't agree with this. Right. It's made me feel good when I hear that, and I don't want to believe it. But then I have to come to a place where I go, I didn't write that. I didn't write this book. I'm not writing the story. I didn't make this world. I'm not the creator. That's right. God is. Yeah. 
You know? It keeps so many people out of the Bible, what he said earlier. He stayed away from it because he was going to have to examine his life style. He said, I didn't want to read the Bible because it was just going to tell me I was going to hell. Yeah. Yeah, and I've seen at school, I, I go to school um, at Auburn, and I've seen so many churches who have who've not stood on biblical truths, and they think that to they, they want to bring people in and they want to be accepting, but um, they they think that that means approving everything, and so they don't take a stance on anything, which I think really diminishes God's love, too. Um, they think it's making it stronger, but it's really taking away. Um, and Brandon is really testing. A testimony to that, um, that you can have acceptance, but not approval. And you can have love with truth. I've heard that like what you win people with is often what you win them to. to. Yeah. Like, that's where they will stay. Courtney, we talk about that at Renew a lot is, is, um, there is a progressive slide amongst Christian churches where they feel like they're building an on-ramp by saying, oh, maybe Paul got it wrong on gender roles. Oh, maybe what else did Paul get wrong? You know? Yeah. Um, and and, and so, and so they think that, you know, oh, this is going to get culture into our churches. This is going to keep people from leaving because it's not popular right now with culture. And really, what ends up happening is people come in and go, well, wait a minute, why do I even need this church? They're saying the same thing culture is saying, yeah. and it's an yeah. off-ramp. And so what's neat is, yeah, we can accept people and uh, and not necessarily approve their lifestyle, but we don't have to soften on our stance and our conviction to what the Bible says. You know, let me uh, close this, this episode up with uh, this thought. This is from uh, our book, Conviction and Civility, available at renew.org. Um, we close the book this way. I think it's appropriate for this session. It says, remember love in all things. In the Disciple Makers Handbook, Bobby and Josh Patrick shared a summary about dealing with people. We feel it is an appropriate thought to close with, and it went something like this. Confused about the Christian response, I'm making air quotes, the Christian response to hard <laughs> issues, use this reference list. Male, love them. Female, love them. Unsure, love them. Gay, love them. Straight, love them. Unsure, love them. Addict, love them. Sober, love them. Believer, love them. Unbeliever, love them. Unsure, love them. We can summarize everything with one word, love. We want to love God and the truths of his word. We also want to love people the way God teaches us. In the end, love is our entire goal. Guys, thanks so much for being here with me. And we'll see everybody next time on the Renew Church Leaders Podcast.